In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Do you have someone in your life or in your community that everyone knows is who you go to when you need help? They'll never ask for prayers or help for themselves, even when they're in desperate need of it. Instead, they're always looking for people they can help, that they can go minister to, making sure they get the doctor's appointments or get the benefits they deserve from the government. Now, when I was growing up, one of those people in my life was Miss Opal. Miss Opal was the very first person that we weren't related to that we met when we moved to Florida. She was working at the local convenience store. Now, she was a widow. She and her husband had hit 65, had retired, and do what everybody in Wisconsin does when they retire, they move straight to Florida. And her husband passed away a few months later. And she was there working at the local convenience store. Now, my dad and I pulled in to ask directions because we had this kind of vague idea of what we were doing. And it was Florida and it was hot, so we were going to get some drinks. And as we're there, she's just talking away gave us directions, and the last thing she did, because it was Saturday, was say, hey, do you guys have anywhere you're going to church tomorrow? Come to church with me. It's just right down the road here. Well, the directions were good. They made sense. We visited the church, and my parents became members a few weeks later. Miss Opal was my Sunday school teacher for the next few years. But even though she was a widow living on a very fixed income and working at a convenience store we found figured out was on the wrong side of the tracks, to make ends meet, she was always willing to help. Needed to find some help without being embarrassed to drive to the doctor at a church, you called her. She was always the first person people called. And you knew that if you were in an embarrassing situation, didn't have enough food for the week, she'd never tell a soul. She'd just find you help or help you herself. And no matter what kind of need she was in, She'd never accept money from anybody. She could drive you to the doctor three times in a week. If we tried to give her a $5 bill, she'd roll her eyes and just give it back to you. I know there are a couple people in this church that are like that too. When we're reading our Acts lesson this morning, we read about one of the early disciples, Tabitha, Dorcas, if you're Greek. It's written about her that she's devoted to good works and acts of charity. And when she died... The church heard that Peter was staying nearby, and they ran to go get it. And Peter got to where she was laying, prepared for burial. And as she, he's on his way up there, all the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was with them. This was the kind of ministry she had in a small town. A woman of some means, she used those means to help everyone else in need. And Peter, and Peter did just like what he'd seen Jesus do before. He moved the crowds out of the room where the body lay, and he looked at her and said, Tabitha, rise. Tabitha, get up. Now, if we go back to Mark chapter 5, we read the story of Jairus' daughter. Jairus was a synagogue leader in Galilee, and his daughter was very sick. He went and he found Jesus, and most of you have heard this story before, because in the middle of Jesus going to see Jairus' sick daughter, a woman in a crowd touches the very hem of his garment. And what happens? You know the story. She touches, she touches, she's one of who knows how many people that touch him that morning, and suddenly she's healed. And Jesus stops, and he looks at the crowd, and what does he say? Who touched me? 
The disciples are looking at him like he's slightly crazy. Jesus, there's a huge crowd here. Everybody's bumping into you. What do you mean, who touched you? And as they're talking, and as she's confessing, people come from Jairus' house and tell him, don't bother the teacher anymore. Your daughter's dead. And Jesus looks at him and says, don't be afraid. Just believe. And they go, and Jesus kicks out all the mourners, so it's just him, Peter, James, and John. And we read in Mark 5.41, it says, He took her by the hand, and he said to her, Talitha kum, which means, little girl, get up, in Aramaic. And here we are several years later, and Peter says, Tabitha, get up. Now, I could give you some chapter and verses, but when I was taking Acts in Bible college and seminary, people would point out that there's exactly one letter difference between what Jesus said to that little girl that morning and what Peter said to, that, to Tabitha that afternoon. One, Talitha, Tabitha, a lambda, a beta, that's it. Peter says it. And Acts says, then calling the saints and widows, he shortened to be alive. And this became known throughout Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. Now ponder that phrase for a minute, calling the saints and the widows. Calling not just God's people, but calling the other widows that Tabitha was taking care of. Because she just wasn't taking care of the widows in God's family. She was taking care of all of them. All the widows in town. And her resurrection caused the church to grow. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. One of the most beautiful songs we have, one of the most well-known we often read it at burials. Knowing that David knew God, not just as the warrior he wanted to go and fight his battles, not just the God that he failed through sin, because we have psalms about both of those things too, but the God that loved and protected him as he moved throughout life. David as a shepherd knew what it meant to take care of the sheep, and he saw God's hand in everything he did as he moved through his life. Now today is Good Shepherd Sunday. It's a Sunday in our lectionaries each year where we always focus on Jesus talking about him being the Good Shepherd. And today we see Jesus in Solomon's portico during the Feast of Dedication. And the people are coming up and asking him, all right, are you really the Messiah? Don't keep us in suspense anymore. Just tell us plainly, are you him? And Jesus says, listen, I've done so, but you've not understood it. All these miracles I've done, They've testified to you, and my sheep, my sheep hear my voice. They know who I am, and if you don't, you're not one of my sheep. And my sheep I give eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will be able to snatch them out of my hand. My Father, in regard to what he has given me, is greater than all, and no one can snatch them out of the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. Jesus is our shepherd. And just like David said centuries before in Psalm 23, he came so that his sheep could dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And remember, in those seasons of doubt, that no one, no one can take us out of the hand of the shepherd. After this I looked, and there was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, from all tribes, languages, and peoples, standing before the throne of God and before the land, robed in right, with palm branches in their hands, they cried out in a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. Decades after being in Jairus' house, 
hearing the good shepherd say, little girl, rise. John finds himself in heaven. And he looks around, and he sees people from all over. He says, every tribe, nation, people, and tongue stood before the Lamb. They have palm branches, something we do sometimes. And they're crying out, confirming what we already know, that salvation belongs to our God, he that's seated on the throne in the Lamb. And then all these people, <coughs> all the angels, the beasts, everything falls down and worships. And John is asked, who are all these people robed in white? And where are they from? And John, John, this fisherman from Galilee, looks around at these people, including people I'm sure he's never seen the like of before. And he looks back at the elder that asked and says, you tell me, I don't know. And he replies, these are those who come out of the great ordeal and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason they are before the throne of God and worship him day and night within his temple. And the one who is seated on the throne will shelter him. They will hunger no more and thirst no more. The sun will not strike them. For any scorching heat, the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd and guide them to springs of water of life. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Think about that. Even when we get to our reward, our shepherd's still in the midst of us, still taking care of our needs. Even there, God is still sheltering those that feel like they need it because nothing's going to get to them in the throne room. The shepherd, the lamb that was slain, is still leading us to clear springs. And he's still wiping away the tears from our eyes. In the end, our good shepherd still loves us. And it's that love we take out to the broken world. Now, I heard Miss Opal say for years, until she passed, that all she was doing was following the example of our Lord, trying the best she could to share the love that changed her life with those around her. And I have no doubt that if we could ask Tabitha, ask Dorcas today, why, why did you do all those things? She'd say the same thing. Thankfully, God has not called me to make widows dresses but he's gifted each one of us differently. But while each one of us has a different gift, we can use that gift to bring others to the Good Shepherd. Amen.